Hello, thank you for clicking play. If you're passionate about supporting small business, small creators and are enjoying the podcast, I would love if you considered supporting me and the show via Patreon. You'll find the link in the show notes where you can join us from as little as £3.50 a month. You'll be supporting the making of the show, enable me to keep the show ad free, get behind the scenes content, blog posts and lots more. Just click the link in the show notes to find out more. Now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to Independent Thinking, the podcast exploring a new era for the high street. We celebrate those who are doing wonderful, creative things in the most difficult of circumstances. We'll be going behind the scenes of businesses and shops you love that you look forward to visiting and that add joy to your high street. I'm your host, Alexandra. Welcome along. Hello and welcome along. Now, before we jump into this week's episode, I just wanted to give a bit of context as to the wider changes that are happening on our high street, particularly with the big names and um, particularly for the staff. So this week, uh, Debenhams have announced that in Scotland, they'll be closing all 15 Scottish stores uh, with immediate effect. So just under 500 people will lose their jobs immediately. Um, Asda's also announced a restructuring plan. So they're kind of really grappling with changes to the way that we shop at the moment and where that they they put their investments. So 5,000 staff are in consultation. Really significant amount of people. And Boots have also announced staff cuts at their head office in Nottingham. And then I guess in the background, there's also John Lewis who are continuing to assess which stores might next be earmarked for closure. So these are big names and we're going to continue to see this significant period readjustment in the high street. And I guess in all these figures that we're talking about, it's easy to forget that we're talking about people's livelihoods, their careers, their pay packets. You know, it's it seems even crueler as well when we're not able to say goodbye to the stores that they've worked in or share one last tea break with a colleague who's kept them company in the till or on the stockroom. So for this episode, we, we continue to explore our community and our high streets. We want to focus on staff and more importantly, those who support and stand by their staff through the most challenging of times. So today we're talking to husband and wife duo Bridget and Murray from Edinburgh Hairdresser Stag. We chat about why morale is so important to the team, the role of the hairdresser in how we all feel about ourselves and their innovative ways that they thought up to keep customers and their staff engaged when we all needed a smile on our faces. Enjoy! Lovely to have you, Murray and Bridget. Welcome along to Independent Thinking. Yeah, how are you doing? It's a really, a very challenging time for for hairdressing right now. And yeah, how how is it going? And how you've been a tremendous presence online and in keeping people going. But how are you? We are good at the moment. It's been a very, very different lockdown to what it was back in March. Um, I think obviously the time of year is very different, but... um, uh, I kind of think that we knew what to expect with this one, like in terms of like it wasn't just going to be three weeks. So we've we've got ourselves hunkered mm-hmm. down a bit more this time and like, focused on, um, I don't know, just focused on ourselves a bit more. Mm-hmm. And just also giving the team a bit of a break because last lockdown we were very, very productive actually and the team did lots of training and then actually coming off the back of that into 
being back at work and obviously we were fully booked for I don't know yeah. four, months, four months basically so it was actually like <laughs> it was almost like two two like the last lockdown was in a break and the, they were like working and then they went straight back into intense work so they're actually like everyone was yeah. knackered so we're just like okay just Aww. this time just kind of take a holiday sort of like we know what we're in for we know right. it's going to be for a while so let's just like enjoy it time off as much as we can mm. I guess let's go back a little bit to how you got into all this because for me it must be a huge part of the being a hairdresser being a barber is about that connection you have with your clients and with the team you work with and yeah I mean that must be a huge it's a gap that we're all kind of feeling right now but can you tell us a little bit how you got into it and kind of how your story of how you set up a stag barber company yeah of course um so I mean I, I don't come from a family of hairdressers I don't come from like a long legacy of hairdressers that have come all the way through and I've kind of like carried on the baton. I'm I think I'm the first hairdresser in my family and my extended family. And um it's something that I'd always I'd always just fancied, but you know, it's not something you get encouraged to do at school. And if you do get encouraged to do it, you get encouraged to leave quite early. Um but it's it's like it's not embarrassing, but it's one of those things where like I don't know if you remember the reality TV show called The Salon. Oh my was god, on, yes, on Channel Four. Yeah, yes. like ages ago. Yes, and I remember like uh, I used to like run home from school, like run home off the bus to try and catch a salon because it used to start at like five o'clock. And by the time we got on the bus back to back home, I had to run home, and I was every day I was just glued to it because it was the first time I'd seen hairdressing that had been done in a way that was just cool mm-hmm. it was these in a london salon you know it's the first time i'd seen people with, like sleeve tattoos and all the rest of it and it was the first time looking at hairdressing as an industry rather than just like the local wee barber shop mm-hmm. and i was like this is cool i want i want a part of it mm-hmm. so i made up my mind really early like probably in like second or third year of school that i wanted to be a hairdresser but i didn't really tell anyone and then that kind of lasted on, and then I just went for it. And so I left school after doing my hires, and I decided that I just wanted to go and work in a salon. So then spent about four months going around every hairdresser's between the top of Commerston Road to uh, George Street, handing in CVs and application forms. And getting that experience. And Bridget, was your experience kind of similar? Did you sort of been this for a long time as well? No, so that's the thing. I'm not a hairdresser. Ah. Basically, I used to work – so when Mari opened Stag, um, I used to work in the cafe around the corner, and then we met there. Mari used to come for coffee, oh, and then we met there. And then I start, uh, I actually moved to Berlin, and when I moved back, we got married, and then I started helping Mari with Stag because we have very different skill sets. So basically, I do all the – marketing and all the stuff you see on the socials and all of that because i i used to work as a journalist so i, I have writing skills oh, i see and murray is the 
people person and the very skilled hairdresser. So oh, you know, you get that a lot with them um, with partnerships of kind of people using each other's a uh, skill set to the advantage. And I think, and so did you bring the coffee element into it as well? Because mm-hmm. ah, yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Really so we opened the coffee window in the haymarket shop. I love that. So I could be there and be doing like I also make the rotor and stuff like that. And then I could also be making coffee, so that's how it works. Because we literally have opposite skill sets. Like Murray's very, what do you call? It? He's not good with technology. Like <laughs> you don't. <laughs> he's. It's like, <laughs> uh, I mean, like, this is quite advanced for me just now. Like I, was I mean, do you know what it is though, isn't it? Like it's it's we're talking through the internet. It's exactly. it's unreal. <laughs> living in the future at the moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah I do. I do all the emailing and documents and everything online I do and Murray does all the in-shop stuff. So when you were setting up the business then was that that must have been a crucial part of the discussions of thinking right what are we bringing to the table and what do we want to create together did you both come up with this because it's such a distinctive image you've got like it's really bold and really a really colorful it's like you're really making a statement about the company so did that come from both of you kind of putting your heads together a bit? No that's kind of as a real, um, uh, what Stag is now is a is completely evolved from Stag Barber Co to mm-hmm. Stag, and what okay. Stag Barber Co was was mm-hmm. me working on my own in a shop in Lady Lawson Street, where mm-hmm. I'd worked for Charlie Miller for eight years previously and had like the most amazing time working there. Worked with amazing hairdressers, but I was exhausted with the way I was working. And I realized that I wasn't enjoying so many elements of the job. The one thing I loved doing was short hair. So then ah. I can just open up like a short haircut, hairdressers. So I was like, I love doing gents here. So open up Stag Barbacoe. And then let's fast forward to what, four years. Mm. Our clientele had changed. People were coming to us for haircuts. The community around our shop was growing from being just a male-dominated barber shop to people who wanted haircuts at a really good price to a really high standard mm-hmm. and that was people who were part of the lgbtq community people who didn't want to associate with gender because the mm. big thing was that murray never said that he wouldn't cut um uh, like he wouldn't he would only cut men's hair so a lot of barber shops they will only cut men's hair so murray had like a point very early on where he was you know, someone want, a woman wanted to come for a haircut mm-hmm. and Mario was like, well, I'm not going to say no to her. You know, there was like a yeah. discussion and he's like, I'm not going to say no to her. And then from there it kind of people discovered that you could get your haircut at SAG if you had pixie cuts or if you were non-binary or if you're LGBTQ and you didn't feel comfortable going into, you know, a salon mm-hmm. asking for a non-traditional gendered haircut. So that's kind of where it came to the point of rebranding. Yeah, because right. we also realised that what Stag Barber Co was was very obviously a masculine uh, mm. brand. You know, like it even was, the word Stag feels exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like the we had like our logo was a stag, like a dapper, like gentleman stag who wore a suit. And if I I was trying to put myself in the shoes of the people who were coming to get a haircut, and if I was maybe, um. Yeah, like if I maybe felt uncomfortable going into a masculine-dominated hairdresser to get a haircut, I'd look at Stag and I'd think, 
that's a masculine dominated hairdressers. The, mm-hmm. the look at it, it was, sorry, the look of it. Yeah, it was very like blue and red and wood panelled and totally okay. different from how it is now. Yeah, a world away. Mm. Okay. Well, then we we decided to rebrand. We decided to change everything. Uh, we're going to change everything. We're going to change the name. We're going to change every part of it. Because the one thing that I didn't want to do was to make it a salon. Because then that then excludes people who would already came to us in the first place. So we just like okay. to be hairdressers. And then we worked with a designer and he came up with some stuff. And originally Mari, he came up with the yellow. And originally Mari was like, there was this wood paneled wall which had blue and red painted panels. And Mari was like, oh, we just changed those panels to yellow. And I was like, we're paying this designer loads of money. We may as well just go full, full yeah. whack. And he's very, he's very out there designer. His design's very maximalist. And so we were like, what would you do if it was like, you know, you could do whatever you want. And he sent us this picture of this total yellow. Everything was yellow, like tiled yellow top. And we were like, yeah, let's do it. Let's just do it. Nice. Like, let's just go for it. It suited, it actually suited, like the brightness suited the what we wanted to do so mm-hmm. much. Like not gendered, very bright, very fun, very like, just like quirky and interesting and something very different for Edinburgh as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the fact that you you price cuts based on length and not gender is like it just makes sense. But then no one's doing it. So you, you was that did you? I suppose is that a response to the all those years working in salons and thinking actually there seems to be a bit of a a disconnect here or a bit of disparity about the how the pricing works and how yeah. Well, one of the things is I started obviously we just had gents haircuts at the start and then mm. we actually introduced ladies cuts mm. and then because that's just it's what I thought that's what you do because that's what everyone else had done yeah and then after advertising ladies haircuts lots of our clients who maybe don't associate with gender or people who um are female but have really short hair they mm. were like well I've been paying this price for a short haircut already so we actually stopped ladies' haircuts, took it off the menu, realised that we need to change everything because we are not being fair here. And we wanted to flip things to a point of, well, one, we don't want to try and put anyone in a box. We want to try and just mm-hmm. have it as a level playing field. And we don't want to have to like uh, justify ourselves all the time. We, we, mm-hmm. we want to try and make it nice and easy. And yeah, it's been really successful because a lot of people have been looking for that for a long time. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. And so you've had that response from your customers and and it's probably opened you out to a whole bunch of people who, you know, like you say, we've been put off in the past thinking it was just for men or, and I just think it's about, yeah, that inclusive communi- community building, making it feel like a place that everyone is welcome um, is really important. Do you, do you place a huge amount of emphasis on that in terms of how the, the, the hairdresser, like how the, what do you what would you, do you call them do you call them salons or do you call them your chops uh hairdressers yeah. hairdressers yeah, yeah. so yeah, how, do you think hairdressing shops. yeah so do you place a lot of emphasis on how that feels then as well when the when the client's in space as well in terms of how you train your staff and you know what the music sounds like or, or whatever that you're doing yeah we put a lot of thought into that we put yeah. a lot of one thing we've one thing we really talked about a lot was that um, traditional salons can feel very almost clinical mm. and mm-hmm. um, we 
didn't want that. And also from me coming from a cafe background, hospitality background, and we love spending time in cafes and bars and restaurants. And they always feel really obviously welcoming. That's the whole point of them. Yeah. Like, Why wouldn't you want a head, hairdressers to feel the same? You know, it doesn't yeah. need to be white and tiled. It can be like the same as how a cafe feels, like quite comfortable and warm and bright and with nice smells and soft furnishings and, yeah. Yeah, because one of the things that we did, what I introduced right at the start was there's no more amazing word in the world than hearing your name. And, like, when you hear your name, it's one of the things that make you feel very comfortable straight away. So right at the start, I didn't have a booking system. What my booking system was was a blackboard. And on the blackboard, I put all the times for the day up. And if you want a haircut, you just come in, you put your name next to the time, and then that's your slot. So then you would walk in, you would see that 12 o'clock's free, you put your name down, and I'd say, oh, hi, Alexandra, I'm Murray, I'll see you back at midday. So then automatically, when you come back at midday, I know who you are. It makes you feel good. So then, oh, that's so nice. As that's evolved, obviously we've taken away the blackboard and we've created like a tiled shop. So in the mornings, what we do is we put everyone all the clients for the day, we put their name on the tiles. So when you come in, you can see where your name is. You know that you've got an appointment. And then um, it makes you feel comfortable. And it makes us feel comfortable because we know who you are. So that's yeah. a, a huge part of our um, our client service is to make you feel like you're already part of something. Oh, that's so lovely. I think that's, I mean, that's, pretty much at the center of what I feel we're all missing right now is feeling like we're part of something and I wonder whether yeah you could touch on about because for me hairdressers are about um gossip about kind of chatting with people like camaraderie about excitement about getting ready for something it's about they're the real like hearts of our high streets and yeah how, how do you feel about kind of the role of hairdressers in our high streets and in our communities do you feel the same way yeah I think that what really shone a light on it for me was the first lockdown and how everyone mm. kept on saying that they missed us and mm. everyone mm. kept on saying like I miss I miss coming to the hairdressers because although like um we might a lot of hairdressers might see it as just a job like we don't realize how integral we are to part or we are now starting to realise more and more how integral we are to parts of people's routines. You know, like yes. seeing somebody every four weeks, you know, you've got, you'll see your doctor, you'll see the person, maybe your nail technician, you'll have your hairdresser. And yeah. that's another thing we try and project on our staff is like realising that they have a fan club, like you have a family, you have this community around you who, although yeah. you might, I mean, like, just say, for example, we see 10 or 15 clients in a day. Although we're seeing 10 or 15 different people, they're only coming to us once. So they're going to come and see us once every four weeks or once every six weeks. We have to make them mm -hmm. feel good as they possibly can. And we found that more and more with lockdown. We mm -hmm. need to try and project that onto them. So we, we're we trying to make you know now how special you are to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so lovely. It, it was like... I feel like we kind of knew it, but being in lockdown made us realize how much of a great community there is around the shop. And I think for all hair salons, it's probably the same because as Mari said, like 
it's it's part of people's routines, part of their lives. And if you tell their hairdressers things, they maybe don't tell other people because you're, yes, you're, yeah. you're, you're not involved in their life. You're not you're their friend. They, you don't know their partner necessarily. So they feel like they can really tell things that maybe they would would be judged for or whatever. Yeah, it's like a cheap therapist. So, <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> and it's one of those things as well that we – like we really like speaking to our clients as well like we feel that it's like the bond and the connection that we have you can always I don't know I've got lots of different clients that I project lots of different viewpoints onto and you have different conversations with and it's it's like therapy for us as well so nice I also feel like you're a huge part of people's morale and I think one of the reasons why people feel like oh you know I well somebody said to me I'm reading a piece the other day and they're talking about how we all you know you put on your um jogging bottoms and it's like a, the fatigues of being in lockdown we're like oh, it's almost like a uniform now of like and I think people are missing feeling like cared for in the way that like a hairdresser can do their hair properly and it's a huge part of people's morale and so I'm so interested in how you've 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 kind of reached out to your community and kept up with that through particularly through Instagram and just on the on the kind of uh, the virtual hairdress like haircuts as well if we could start there about kind of making people feel good about themselves again was that that's a fantastic idea <laughs> I love that idea so yeah can you tell us a little bit about how you've kind of been reaching out to people and kind of keeping that sense of a community with your customers yeah so uh, the virtual haircut thing came about um, Bridget she takes really long showers and when she comes out <laughs> of a long shower, I know there's an idea coming. And we saw that so many people were doing like virtual experiences. You could get takeaway drinks from bars. You could go and get takeaway restaurant stuff, but you can't get a takeaway haircut. But Bridget was like, I love teaching people hairdressing and I enjoy the process of it. And Bridget's like, Jane, you can teach somebody how to cut their own hair in an hour. And like at the time, I was quite enthusiastic. And I was like, I've just, let's just go for it. So from that idea, I then started to build up momentum. And then we put out online to see if anyone would do it. And like, there was like 60 people were like, yes. <laughs> we're like, oh no. We didn't have any clickers. We didn't have any scissors. We ended up having... I'm not sure if um, you would have noticed or not, but hen's teeth is the only way to describe how to try and get uh, clippers during lockdown. It was so difficult. Oh we started importing them from Germany. So basically we had, to, right. yeah, we had to source them in like a local shop in Germany. We then got them transferred to a friend's house. We then got them couriered from a friend's house over here. And I mean... We were getting quite a lot sent over as well. It was ridiculous. But the, the thing is, what, where, where the idea came from was that at that time, when we really went into lockdown, we were just thinking, because I think what your natural inclination when things are going badly is to kind of hunker down and be like a bit afraid. And I think that actually what you should do is the opposite. You should always go big. You should always like think about other people than yourself when things go badly because that's always what gets you through. So at the start of lockdown, we were like, what can we do for our clients? Like, let's not think about us and, you know, potentially losing the business or whatever. Let's think about our clients and our team and let's think what we can do for them. And so we originally sent out a pack which had like well-being tips and 
it was like a PDF, which we sent out to the clients and it had, you know, um, it was like a survival kit. It was a, it was a COVID survival kit. It had like tips for meditation, wow. tips for like exercise at home, like, uh, like we'll learning resources, like all these different things in it. And we we're like, okay, that's one thing. And then the virtual haircuts came because all, a lot of people online were telling people not to cut and dye their own hair because mm, they're like, you know, wait yeah. for us sort of vibe, which I, which we agree with as professionals, we agree with, but we're like, you know, it's a hard enough time without getting to- told off <laughs> yeah. dying your own hair. Like, yeah, like people are just trying to get by, you know, like, <laughs> people still have to be on Zoom for their meetings. So we were like, instead of t- like, the last thing people want is more like things they're not allowed to do. They're already not allowed to go outside. So the last thing they need is to be told not to do something. So we're like, let's do the opposite. Let's encourage people to cut their hair. We'll do it for a good cause because we raised, basically we asked people to cut their own hair. And um, for every haircut that someone sent us, like a DIY haircut, if they sent us a photo of it, we would donate a photo to a key, uh, we would donate a haircut to a key worker. So that's where it all started coming from. And then we decided to extend that by actually teaching people how to cut their own hair, which then it worked twofold that they got a haircut. It wasn't totally terrible. It was probably better than if they did it without any guidance. And also they learned something and they also learned how difficult it is to cut hair. So (laughs) it was like those great things out of it. And they also got to catch up with Murray, which is for some people, that's a real friendship. That's a real bond. So. Mm. It's just there's so much consideration there for your clients. There's so much thought about what they're going through, the collective experience. I love this idea of leaning into all the difficulty. Like, mm. I think that's brilliant. Like, yeah, why, why, why are we shrinking away? Let's actually embrace this as an opportunity and, and bring people together with us. And you've done other things as well. So you've done the you cuts for key workers. You did the 24-hour marathon as well of cuts. Did When was that? Am I Christmas Eve, wasn't it? It was the 23rd of December. Yeah. Right, I'll like rewind back. So basically, we've got a member of staff um, called Nicole, and she really sadly lost a wee one um, at the same time uh, the year before. And we were uh, working closely with the, uh, the charity called Simba, because that's who looked after her. Mm-hmm. So we've done a couple of things already. We'd wanted to... Like we donated what a pound from every haircut in December. Mm-hmm. We did. We donated it to Simba, and then it was on the back of um, the proposed lockdown, which was going to happen on the twenty sixth of December. Everyone was like, "I need a haircut before." So then we were coming up with ideas about how we can get as many haircuts done as we can before uh, Christmas Eve. <clears throat> Sorry, Christmas Eve, and. Our friend Christina said, "Well, why don't you work twenty four hours?" And I was like, <laughs> "Great idea, yeah." But I was like, <laughs> "But like the comp, like I'm quite competitive, and like the competitive mind came in. I was like, I could do that easy. I could easily do that, but I don't want to." But then Bridget was like, "No, what? We could do it for a reason." Yeah, and then like the reason was doing it for uh, the charity because they would miss out. Because obviously, the last weeks of December are very very busy. So one pound from every haircut would be quite a lot towards Simba, but because they were going to be closed, we would lose out a bunch of money. So I was kind of thinking, how can we make back that money which should have gone to Simba? Like we're just going to put an appeal out or whatever, but then this seems like a more fun (laughs) fun way to do it. It was was awesome. Like it wasn't – like it was actually a lot of fun. 
you know, so many clients were coming in. I mean, we had like, I don't know, four or five different clients that came through the night just to encourage us. We had... Oh, uh, like, yeah. Neighbour dropped off Anzac biscuits for us. People dropped us food and Gatorade. Uh, sorry, what do you call it? Lucasade. Lucasade. Yeah, it was it was awesome. Nice. But yeah, it was it was really good. And we were like, we'll put it up and we'll see if anyone's going to... We're always like, we'll just see if people go for this. And people yeah. always surprise us with their enthusiasm and their like willingness to try things like the same thing with virtual haircuts where we just put it up and see if anyone buys one and, and so many people bought them straight away and then with this 24-hour haircut thing we're like we'll put up the appointments and we'll just see if anyone books and then it's pretty much straight away someone booked 3 a.m <laughs> we're like, okay do you know what though at this time it's just nice to be at the house at that kind of time because we're like you know we can't go out anymore this is like the new going out going out at like one o'clock to get your hair in the morning to get your hair cut I mean that sounds fun (laughs) exactly and like it's something as well that's it's completely different you're getting involved with something and it's in a safe environment you know like it's not it's not like you're kind of going out clubbing or whatever it's like Mm -hmm. you're still doing a thing that you're allowed to do but it's fun yeah and yeah I mean I was okay doing it. I didn't have any problem with the actual haircuts, but we were like, as soon as it hit half past eight the next again morning, I was like delirious. properly, <laughs> And then we'd actually been asked to go on a BBC Radio Scotland and discuss what we'd done the next game day. And what was, I was supposed to be on at nine o'clock. And then we got a, an email saying it was actually going to be half past ten. So I was like, I need to stay up for another two hours. And I was like, delirious. I couldn't even keep my eyes open. And then um, we were running late. So then I, it wasn't until 11 o'clock that I was on the radio. Oh, man. So then when I went on the radio, I then had this grand idea that I was going to speak out and I was going to be so, so good. I was like the new Bob Geldof or something. And I, I like froze, hardly said anything. I was I basically just told the guy that I was tired. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was really, it was really successful. We raised four thousand pounds in the end. Yeah, four grand. Yeah, wow. Which was that's amazing. Yeah, it was just amazing, and it was just such a great morale booster as well. Because I think at that time everyone was like, "Oh, another lockdown," and we. I kind of felt like I didn't feel the same, like almost amazing energy from the first lockdown where everyone was like we'll get through this you know I didn't I didn't feel that the second time the second one was announced and then we did this and then it was still there that all that support and everything was still there it was just like I don't know hiding yeah Yeah. do something a bit weird to bring it out and like and like one of the big things as well is through all this through all these different events that we do through like all the community stuff we do you know like the one thing that hardly anyone talks about is covid you know, like it's the kind of place that people come to forget, and like, we're like super safe. Like we we run a very 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 tight ship in Stag, mm. and we've not had any track and trace phone calls. We've not had anything like to put people at danger. But you know, it's so nice. As soon as people cross the threshold, they just come in and they feel relaxed. And it's like yeah. you could see that on the uh, the marathon because we had loads of new clients who were coming in. And they just felt chill, you know. There was loads of people who came along, yeah. and it was great. It was really nice. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Like to have brand new clients coming at 
four o'clock in the morning. Mm. Like people have never been to Stag before. It's like, how do you even fly out? <laughs> And with Murray probably seeing things at this point, like sort of hallucinating, and like, <laughs> I on sugar. <laughs> one of the staff members, Victoria, who was quite new, she'd been working with Stag for two months, maybe. six weeks, eight weeks, or something. She she was working her shift, and she was just like, "I think I'm just going to stay." She worked like a full shift, and then she was like, "I'm just going to stay and work, keep working." And she stayed till three a.m. And she honestly got like more. She She's like a night put, like an at night out. Like she got more chatty and more like, like enthusiastic, enthusiastic at like three in the morning than she would have been at three in the afternoon. Like I'd heard her speak more at half two in the morning than I heard her speak eight weeks previous. I was like, we need to open later just for Victoria to get a bit more chatty. He's like, I really like this shift. I'm like, this is a shift. <laughs> Do you, know, do you know what though I mean a part of you must be thinking do you know what if there's an appetite during lockdown for people to come out maybe there's something in this maybe people want to get their haircuts at one in the morning it has crossed my mind but it's going to it's going to be quite hard it's going to be a hard sell for the staff I think yeah yeah oh. <laughs> so this yeah the sense of community that's that's really imbibed and imbued and sorry in, in every aspect of your of your business and so I'm curious as well then about the community that you're part of in terms of as like a hairdressers and as a sh- and as shopkeepers and as yeah. and on your streets and in your in your different areas because um because two quite different parts of Edinburgh as well uh, well because I'm, I'm thinking mainly about Haymarket at the moment it feels very very different yeah. <laughs> it feels quite odd without that sense of community and people on the high street but can you tell us a little bit about being part of the Edinburgh business community or how that feels um be part of something bigger we um like although we're part of the hair industry we would definitely put ourselves wider than the hair industry we're I mean we're very much part of the hospitality industry we've got friends yeah. so many friends have got restaurants and bars and stuff like right at the start when I opened up Stag like part of my marketing tool was just to be out all the time and speaking to people and let you know letting them know that I'm I've opened up this wee shop and I'm going to cut your hair. So from that, it's then snowballed into then all these uh, baristas and barmen and cafe owners and restaurant owners have become a really, really, really close friends. So we kind of feel that we're part of more than just the hair uh, world. And then mm-hmm. on Lady Lawson Street, you know, you've got businesses that have been there for ages. You've got yeah. like... Uh, the timber yard, which is just a couple of doors down from us, uh, so the Radford family have had restaurants in Edinburgh for years. They become really good friends. We've got preachers next door, um, which the bakers as well. They've been there for like twenty five years or something. But when it comes to Haymarket, we we didn't know anyone at all. So when we first opened up, um, we could, we just kind of went round and spoke to everyone. We became really good friends with the guys next door to us. There's a plant shop called Apersu. Mm-hmm. Um, Yes. Yeah, they've been became really pally with them. Uh, The guys at Graham's just two doors up from us, and we've realised all our businesses complement each other so much. Like we're not in competition. Like, Mm -hmm. and that's Mm -hmm. I I think that as well with hairdressers. Like, nobody should be in competition with anyone. Like, we all have a service, and because Mm -hmm. like uh, the product is the the hairdresser's personality. The product isn't just the cut. So. Mm Like yes. you shouldn't really be in competition with anyone else. You should just be making sure that your client feels good. 
So, you know, we speak to other hairdressers that are on our street and, you know, like we try and uh, cast our net as far as we can. The the small business community in Edinburgh is awesome because I think, so I'm from Melbourne and it's such a bigger city and um, it's kind of like you find your, like the businesses find the businesses that are like them and they all like are friends. But in Edinburgh, because it's so small, it's like everyone <laughs> – everyone is involved so you know Murray's not just he doesn't just know the other hair salon owners like he said he knows all the you know people who own like clothing shops and people who own cafes and then even like Tom that's got fly and stuff yeah, like that like people who run events and, and and it's great like you have really good support you have like it's great to be able to talk with people and they'd be in the similar boat especially mm-hmm. going through something like COVID and then in terms yeah. of the hairdressing COVID actually brought together the hair, hair salons because they started a WhatsApp group, all the hair salons, in, or a big group of the hair salons in Edinburgh, and now they all, you know, bounce information off each other and share, you know, the grants and let everyone know what's going on. And it's just really nice to see that something like that can really bring people together. I, I, I never thought I'd see something like that. Yeah. yeah. Like my old boss, mm. uh, Josh, he, he texted me and he was like, do you want to join a sort of Edinburgh salon owners a like chat forum sort of thing and at first I was like I don't know what's going to be said and then and plus as well all the people that were in it were like the big hitters in Edinburgh you know like Colin from Medusa mm-hmm. uh, Joss and Jason from Charlie Miller the guys at Chains and stuff and, and Stag in my opinion is like uh, very small in terms of their huge achievements. <laughs> so I was I've, I've got nothing to contribute. But then I realised that as soon as I joined it, it was help. It's everyone's helping each other because, like Bridget said, if there was a grant that comes out, everyone puts the link yeah. to the grant and and then explains the process that you have to go through to fill it out. And uh, with reopening as well, it was loads of help about you know PPE what you need to wear, what you don't need to wear. Yeah, and sharing. It's sharing as much as you can because... People gave some visors. Yeah. Like, they were like, do you need some spare visors? We've got some. Yeah, Simon at Sesh Air, he um, had loads and loads of visors and he was like, just just come around and pick some up and, yeah, you know, all that kind of stuff would never happen before. Or I don't think it would have happened before, but, like, something like a global pandemic brings a smaller community together and... I don't know. I I feel very very fortunate, and I think mm-hmm. that what we put out in terms of our openness and we're uh, togetherness is now starting to come back to us. And I think that people have got our backs as well, which is really nice. Yeah, I think you definitely get what you give, don't you? I think in terms of and people can see all of all the goodness that you're putting out there. Absolutely. Yeah. How has the support been for the hairdressing industry? Because um, it's been. Yeah, a very difficult time, and and can, and like with that opening, closing, opening again, it's been very difficult. I imagine. I mean, we have had support, which has been really, really good. There's been local grants that have been um, that have been given. Uh, we obviously have the furlough scheme, which is available as well. But um, it's, it's funny you asked that question. We just had a chat yesterday with our local MP about a movement that's happening at the moment. Um, where they're trying to get a 5% VAT cut for the hair industry as well because uh, the hospitality industry have managed to get a 5% VAT through lockdown and stuff because obviously they've been obliterated by 
um, like all the COVID restrictions, yeah. but we have mm. <clears throat> not had any cuts to our VAT at all. And it's been very, very, very difficult, especially for the fact that we'd opened up. We were very busy. So, so like the point that we were open from July through to December, we didn't have any stoppages. It was just like a full hit. When you stop in December and mm-hmm. then you get a nice little VAT bill at the end of it and you've got no cash flow. So then it's like, you know, it would be nice to have had a little bit more support in that side of it because I feel that the hair industry it gets mm-hmm. uh, put amongst the sectors, uh, like hospitality sector at the start of lockdown because we're kind of putting together. But then when mm-hmm. it came to the, like the benefits of being part of the hospitality sector, we didn't really get that. And Yeah, I think it's just... I think it's a smaller industry probably than the hospitality one, so I think it gets a bit forgotten about sometimes. It's like, yeah, that's certainly... Mm-hmm. And it's hard. It, it is quite a bitter pill to swallow as well because it's, it's, it's hard to name a street in Edinburgh that's not got hairdressers and a barber shop on it. Well, exactly. And, and I think there's, there was such a patronising approach to, well, certainly some of the debates I saw in Parliament were like, oh, you know, I bet you can't wait to get back to the hairdressers. You're like, you know, this is a massive part of our economy like these are a huge it's a huge industry patronizing is the only word that can kind of bring to mind about how these industries are spoken about when they're they're massive big hitting like industries that earn a lot of money you know as if it's like a joke it's like not a joke. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like it's, ridi- it's ridiculous and like I know. it's also like there's another phrase that really annoys me when people are like ah oh, well you know people are always going to do the haircut and it's like, yeah, people are always going to need a haircut, but they're not always going to need to come to your shop. So you work so hard yeah. to have people coming to your shop all the time. You're working hard to make the connections mm-hmm. and stuff. It gets cut off. And then it's like, yeah, but hair always grows. People will always get a haircut. And it's like, well, you know, we can need a bit more support than that. You know, it, it, it would be yeah, nice to have a bit absolutely. more. But at the same time, I am going to like reiterate of the fact that we have had yeah help we have had grants yeah. and we have had the furlough scheme yeah but um yeah, i feel not, that yeah. i feel that there could have definitely been more to our industry just that i think that five yeah. percent of that thing is really what we would like but other than that like it's a, yeah i can it is what it is it's what it is and all our staff is still employed we're just like keeping on there eh? yeah and like <laughs> we unlike as well we don't we we definitely don't play the victim card. Yeah, we, and I, like we, we feel very fortunate to be able to still have a business. It's still a uh, buoyant, and we ha- are in an industry where people want to come to us. Yeah, and I have I have huge like yeah. belief in in stag, and I know that even like whatever happens, we will be fine. You know, like at the first in the first lockdown before they announced furlough because so, they they locked us down and then they announced furlough a week later so there was this one week yes, there was this one yeah. week where everyone was like oh my gosh <laughs> yeah what did we that do? week we were like well we just did the maths and we we're like okay we can pay all the staff for three months and we'll just do that we'll just pay them for three months and then if we run out of money we'll just close the business down and we'll just start again like we'll just start again next year when when we're allowed to and that was such a like I mean you would hope that you would never have to do that in your life like count down like how much money's left in the bank till you can't pay anyone anymore but we did it and it was actually like such a freeing exercise to be like we're gonna do the right thing we're not just gonna like leave all our staff hanging you know we're gonna pay them as long Mm -hmm. as we can and 
and if it comes to that that we completely run out of money we just close stag and then we just reopen again and we know that we can mm. we know that we we have a strong like business and we know that people like it and we uh, and uh, and it comes down to the fact that that people are more important than money and yeah. what we what we realized that at mm. that point when we were i, I mean it wasn't really a calm conversation. I was definitely panicking a lot <laughs> for many days. But yeah. it was at the point yeah. when Bridget put her sort of calm head on and she was like, If the if the ship goes down, like we're all in it together. So let's just be together and make sure the staff know that we've got them. And that was our main thing. Because I mean like we'd have people who'd just joined us. Uh, one member of staff in particular who'd come from the hospitality uh, sector she's retraining with us and a month before so sorry and a month after joining us we're going to lockdown and she's like what's happening like am i going to be okay or am i going to get am i going to have any money she's got a mortgage and stuff and and she left her her career that she she was very she was like manager you know she'd worked in that industry for 10 years she left it and then she was like am i gonna lose my job in like a month and we just had to be like no we're all we're all going like like if we go down we go down together and also the thing is yeah. it wouldn't just be us it would be everyone you know all the businesses no one would be getting out of that unscathed so there's nothing really you yeah. can do you just have to be be right like in your morals you know be right like don't do dodgy things don't like just fire all your staff or something just do the best that you can in a bad yeah. situation and then at least you can come because we knew also if we would spend all the money on all our staff for three months and then completely run out of money and then the next year start stag again or in two years time or in three years time mm-hmm. to like, okay <laughs> the dust is settled let's start this again we know that all our staff would actually come back they would be like you did right by us you know they hadn't retrained yeah. us yeah <laughs> as, as, as web designers or whatever if they were still hairdressers they would come back <laughs> But that emphasis on well-being, then that's it. Just it, it feels so. It's just such a brilliant way to put. Yeah, put people before profit. I think is 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 should be at the heart of all businesses. Is that something that you are you inspired by any other people who you feel have the same approach as you, or is that is it just that you just kind of it feels very much that you're kind of singing to your own hymn sheet in terms of like you you're you you do what you think is right. But is there anyone you take inspiration from, and particularly in hairdressing or in other small business? Loads. Um... I try and look for it mm. and I try and surround myself with as many people as I possibly can who inspire mm. me. And I mean, that spans again, a very broad spectrum. I've got, uh, we've got really good friends who've got a restaurant in the corner from us called Burra. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, so Darren and Alex are good friends of ours and uh, they've got very same ethos, you know, like very community led, very sort of staff led, um, so I find them very inspiring. I've got a mate; he's got a pizza place called Chivrinos. Um, Michaeli's one of my really good mates as well. Again, like energy, like he was in lockdown again. It was like I'm going to keep flying the flag. I'm not going to, you know, like lie down. And we found that very inspiring. We've got a mate called Tom. He's got uh, Tom Kelly's got uh, fly events, mm-hmm. like fly club and stuff like that. Again, like although like the hospitality industry and nightclubs and stuff got obliterated, he was one of the first ones. He's like, I'm going to try something else. I'm, so they started 
making, you know, like fly holidays where they were like booked up to go to Ibiza and all the rest of that. Um, and yeah, I, I think that there's lots of inspiration to be found, especially in Edinburgh. There's a lot of people doing some seriously good stuff. Even our mates along at Nauticus as well, like Kyle and stuff, yeah. they've all, they created a hatch window in their bar. So now, yeah. yeah, so what they do is, is they get lots and lots and lots of businesses to come and do food out the hatch. So it promotes business through the hatch and they can still manage to keep their staff employed. You know, all that kind of stuff is around us all the time. And it's very easy to put your eyes down and not see it. But we try our hardest to sort of take all that on board and, um, yeah, support them as much as possible and also try and get inspired by them. Yeah, there's yeah. lots of inspiration. Lots of people really, like, really going for it. And that's really inspiring. People don't, they're not, it's, you know, it's not just a job to these people. It's their dreams. It's their lives. It's their, it's their passions. So to see people working so hard is, like, very, very inspiring. Like, Little Chart Room is, like, taking on. Yeah, Sean and Roberta have yes. absolutely killed it. Like, they've just started the entire, like, takeaway, like, home meals. They've been doing that. Like, that's, like, a whole separate arm to their business now. Yeah. And then they have the one down in Porty. In Porty as well. And just, like, adapting and just, like, being like, okay, this is what we're doing now. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and, like, I also feel bad because a lot of them kind of feel like they shouldn't be making money and they shouldn't be trying really hard because everyone else is having a hard time. But I kind of, I honestly, I kind of think the opposite. It's It's, like, we need people to be doing this, especially in a small city like Edinburgh. Yeah. Because... Like it builds up all the areas. It makes areas feel more vibrant again. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. I think it ever more important in this second lockdown for Scotland because it's it is really tough, and I think we're we're definitely feeling it much much more this year. It feels like it, it's hitting differently, definitely than than before. So that camaraderie and that spirit of collaboration and, and community and. And just a bit of joy, like a bit of fun. Like no, I think we're only allowed to do like about five things, you know. So it's it's really, really lovely to to hear about that. Um so we're about to sort of close up then. And and I'm just thinking about the next steps for for Stag then and about um, you know, what do you think you'll take from this period forward into this sort of post well because we will have a post COVID world at some point, um, into the next stage, do you think? I think that we're not going to take anything for granted. I think that we're definitely going to take away as well a much uh, tighter business. It's made us really look at our business and look at the things that are really, really important to us. And we've now, I would say the fact that we've got through this or we are getting through this, you can chuck anything at us and we're still, we're going to be tight. You know, we've got like a really like a safely structured business mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. um i think one of the big things is yeah a lot more flexibility that and i mean not just for stag i mean as a, as a society mm -hmm. because i know pre-lockdown if we would need to yeah. cancel someone's appointment hair appointment for any reason it would be like a really 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 big deal you know we would be like really worried about it and now, obviously, like, during lockdown, everyone's appointments got cancelled and they got moved around loads. And that's flexibility on behalf of the clients and then also flexibility on our behalf because we would often have clients say, you know, I've developed a cough, I can't come in or 
you know, now my area has gone into a different tier from your area, so I can't come in. And there's just been so much more flexibility. And I think that's actually a really good thing for people. I think that people get too rigid and and too, like, strict on on their plans and things. And I think it's better to have a bit more empathy and be like, okay, sometimes things happen, you know. And and for us as a business and for us as a team to be like, this is our job and it's also not totally our world. Like, we do sometimes have things that come up or whatever. There are other elements in life. I think that's, like, Mm -hmm. it's kind of – brought a much needed balance and perspective to things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I I, I think I, I feel as well this the the world that we used to well I used to have it like even a year ago of like all my weekends being planned and like everything being done for 6 7 months and it it just feels very different now. I feel like we're all I love this idea that you're talking about Bridget, about mm-hmm. us all being more understanding of each other as humans. As actually I was thinking about that with working from home. People have childcare. They have like they have parcels at the door. They have appointments. It's like we're not we're not we don't have to be these robots anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I hope we I hope we definitely keep that aspect of our multifaceted humans that we understand each other a bit more. Absolutely. Um, all that all that's left to say is is just a huge thank you to you both for for sharing. Yeah, your brilliant story and uh, yes for being so giving of your time. Thank you so much. And I would like to say thank you to you as well. Like you're doing a really, really cool thing. Oh, thank um, you. I think the podcast that you're doing is, it's again, it's really inspiring. Like you don't have to do this, you know, but you're like helping shine a light on lots of businesses in Edinburgh and giving them a voice to people who might not hear it. So uh, well done. That's thank really, you. really cool. Thank you very much. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please consider rating the show, writing a review or telling a friend. It really helps us to be discovered by other like-minded listeners. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did and you want to support me to continue to make the show, I would love it if you became a patron by clicking the link in the show notes. From as little as the price of a coffee a month, you receive behind the scenes content, blog posts and lots more. Click the link in the show notes to find out more or head to patreon.com slash independent thinking. Bye for now.